JV Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 74 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about digitizing life insurance for agents with Raheem Rajbar from Plum Life. InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Oh my goodness. It is Friday, January 7th, 2022. 22. I'm going to tell myself that like five times a day over the next few days before I stop writing 21 on everything as always happening. Uh, there was a funny meme I saw on the internet this week that was uh, like aliens and they're like, it's so bizarre. These humans keep celebrating their planet, making one more lap around the sun. <laughs> you know, you got to celebrate something. I'm just, you know, I mean, you got to celebrate something. Whatever, whatever it is, that's what, that's what we celebrate. Uh, I was in I was in Michigan for uh, most of the break, uh, hanging out, enjoying some actual winter because it was 80s and shorts and t-shirts in Texas pretty much the entire Christmas break. And so uh, for a couple of weeks, I went out up to up to Rob's home territory, up to up to uh, my, u- my usual place where I go in the summer. But I was over in Michigan. It was nice and cold, but it was dry. We didn't have a lot of snow. Um, did get to go skiing because they made snow. Uh, now they're covered in it. They got they got feet and feet of feet of snow. In fact, the feet of snow they got is now over near uh, on top of Raheem's house. Uh, he 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 had uh, over eight inches dump on their house. That's the exact same storm, by the way, that came over Michigan. So uh, Raheem's in Boston. What's going on, Raheem? How are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. Nice and warm in my turtleneck in the confines of my home. Yeah. Raheem's from Toronto, eh? And uh, you know he he uh, he's used to the cold weather in the winter, and uh, it's no big deal for him, huh? That's a pretty good accent you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work with too many Canadians, you know. Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, it's it. I, I I love Canadians. I love Canada. Uh, you know, I was I I was out the other day. I was traveling, and I ordered the poutine, and it was not good. And it Uh-oh. was it was not it was not in Canada. And I'm like, that's why. If, that's why. I'm like, if a Canadian were here, this would be right. The carb, <laughs> the carbs on fat with carbs and and more carbs and <laughs> then more fat would would be perfect. Uh, but uh, I, I love love that. But you know, being Canadian, Raheem's got to prepare you for an eight inch snow day in Boston. I mean, it certainly does. It certainly <laughs> does. However, what I can't get over is the schools closing all the time. We yeah. Never sc- Close schools in Canada. You just walk to school in the snow. Exactly. You like get over it, kid. Yeah, Toughen up. Exactly. Put your yeah. snow pants on. Take a sled if you have to, and off you go. Yeah, I, I've, I honestly have never understood that either. Because in the north, you know, you have uh, snow removal equipment, and they plop, <laughs> and they and they they yeah. pl- and people have you know snow tires and chains and something else. Canadians are really interested in tires. Uh, no, there's a really great Jim Gaffigan series on Canadian tire. And how yep, and how yep. can the Canadian Tire store sells everything 
everything but tires and tires. Right. No, it's it's uh, it's hilarious. But but you guys, you know, in Boston, you got you got snow chains, you got salt on the roads, you got s- sand. We're you got, ready. We're you, prepared. Why why are you can't? This is just. You know, we we don't want to talk. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get political and talk about snow closures. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it, so, some people are looking for any excuse to to cancel a work day. Is all I gotta say because mm-hmm. those kids need to be in school. Get out of there. I hear you. Get out of there. They need to be out of here so I, that I could work. Exactly. They need to be out of the here <laughs> so I can get my job done. Uh, anyway, we're gonna have a good conversation today. Uh, before we before we have that conversation. Um, I want to remind you, you can get uh, subscribed to this podcast. So if you're watching this on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, because we you know, live streamed the video of this onto all of those, I think we have a new graphical format coming. It's going to look really cool. So, Rob, you should, you should, you should like that one. Uh, you can text GeekOut to 66866 and uh, make sure you never miss an episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast. Uh, we've done a few of these. Uh, we've done about a year and a half of these things. And uh, we've, got, we've got a great great set of folks that have been on the show with us so you can text geek out to 66866 so back to raheem uh raheem rajpar from plum life so raheem you you uh you are a small child in in toronto uh i'm guessing you dreamed of being a professional hockey player um no (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) uh all right so what what do you want to be when you're growing up uh, not a hockey player. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, uh, a couple different things. I always wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid. I don't know why. Um, then I audited a, a law class at university and I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I think a lot of us see like, um, like few good men or like you'll, you'll see, you'll, you'll see, you'll see some, you know, movies that really right. romanticize the law. And yeah. then when you actually start taking law classes, you realize that the vast majority of that work is reading documents and then commenting on it. Correct. And, and you're like, I don't think I want to do that the rest of my life. And uh, to me, that's like chloroform. You know, like put I me, hear you. Yeah, give me a give me a document to read and mark up. I'm gonna go to sleep. Uh, yep. So yep. so uh, where'd you go to university? Uh, up in Canada, uh, Western University. Uh, about two hours, two hours outside of Toronto in London, Ontario. Uh, That's a good city. Yeah, great city. I uh, haven't been there in a long time, but, uh, you know, spent five years there, loved it, yeah. uh, moved back to Toronto and uh, sort of never looked back and until it was time to move to Boston over a decade ago. Yeah. So so what did you study in college and like what did you at the end of it, where did you get your start in your career? Yeah, you know, I was a politics major, uh, mm. believe it or not. I uh, I just, I liked learning about how things worked, right? And I liked uh, learning about how you can put a point out there, defend it, and all that other fun stuff. That's what you learn. You learn core skills on, on top of theory and knowledge, but you learn some basic core skills in, in degrees like that. Um, I knew I had wanted nothing to do with politics after I graduated uh, what was really exciting for me was the ability to get into the marketing world, uh, going to work for an agency, going to work uh, on, on you know, building brands, building messaging, um, doing PR work, all that fun stuff. That's what sort of excited me. So I literally left university and went right into into that. Oh, man, that's cool. So, yeah. So you uh, looks like you jumped straight into uh, Morningstar and you were there. You were there for like four years or three or four yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah. 
And you were you were super into client relations, and and you were a marketing manager, and then you did the same thing at Manulife. Um, so, like, what were the big lessons uh, at Morningstar and Manulife? Like, uh, what 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 did you cut your teeth on? Big early surprises, big lessons learned. Sure. Uh, listen, at Morningstar, uh, we actually we were a, a company called Portfolio Analytics before Morningstar, and Morningstar acquired us. And uh, so I had the privilege, actually, of launching the Morningstar brand in Canada, uh, something that was pretty awesome. And you know, for someone at, at my level at that point in my career to be able to do that, um, and I got to drive a lot of that ship, right? So um, I remember uh, writing press releases uh, in my first job, uh, and sure, that happens, but what doesn't happen is you're also then the media spokesperson. <laughs> so, you know, I was a, I was a one, one, uh, one person shop in our marketing area at the time. And, uh, I got to cut my teeth on everything. So I had, I had the ability to, you know, be the one doing the work behind the scenes, but also doing, uh, all the, the front facing work. And I, I loved it. Right. I think it prepared me. It prepared me to, um, uh, you know, take full responsibility things, expose me to things way beyond my level. Um, and I loved working at a small company. Uh, it was just, you know, after four years, I was like, all right, I want to grow my career uh, and take this to a new level. Uh, and at that point, I started looking for uh, roles at, at larger, more global companies to try to do the same at. That's pretty rare to be that young and be allowed to be a front person for a major, yeah. major company. Yeah. Um, so you 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 moved through um, you know Morningstar, Manulife, John Hancock. These are some major brands a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, you did quite some time at John Hancock, uh, and then um, what what walk me through what you did um, in your in your career. Those uh, looks like those thirteen years at John Hancock, and uh, what led to being chief marketing officer and co-founder over at Plum Life. Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, uh, Hancock's uh, owned by Manulife. And so uh, I worked while I was there. I was there almost 19 years. Um, I was able to sort of work in each of Manulife's core areas, right? So the, started with wealth management, um, moved into the retirement space, all in marketing roles. And then uh, what I actually was able to do was move into uh, more of a general management role with a heavy marketing focus and run a business, start a business, uh, establish a business, and then run that business. Um, and I, that's why I actually moved down to Boston, uh, is to set up a business for Manulife, uh, John Hancock. And that was a, a rollover, roll-in business. Um, you know, the opportunity came. Uh, I love the idea of, of transitioning from you know, the small marketing pie, not so small, but the marketing pie to uh, really having oversight and ownership over the entire pie um, and being the general manager of that business and owning that P&L. Um, and so that was an awesome experience. Uh, you know, we set that up uh, within two years. Um, our AUM uh, for uh, new assets uh, was nearing a billion dollars. And so uh, I thought, hey, great time to turn this business over uh, to the actual core uh, retirement space. And I thought, listen, Hancock is an insurance provider at the end of the day, and I've never worked in insurance. And so I should probably go do that. Um, so I moved over to life. Uh, 
and and had some amazing experiences actually while I was there. Uh, you know, my initial roles in the life business were strategy roles. Um, I helped launch uh, the Hancock Vitality program into the market. Um, I helped establish uh, Hancock's first analytics practice. Uh, and we were talking about, uh, you know, direct to consumer and channel disruption back in uh, 2014. Uh, and I got to uh, establish Hancock's uh, direct channel uh, as well. And so all of that was, was gearing, gearing uh, well, it was moving forward. Uh, I wanted to do something different. Um, I had been at the same company for uh, a long time and I thought, hey, I might as well try my hat at joining this firm that I had actually hired to help me digitize things at Hancock. And so it's a small boutique agency called Hawthorne and I loved working with them. Uh, and so I just jumped ship. Um, and for about a year and a half, I helped consult carriers, uh, sorry, consult with carriers and distributors and really help them look at their business and how to digitize their business and their business processes. Everything from, you know, buying uh, and acquiring new policies to the back end as well. How do you uh, operationalize some of that stuff? And so, you know, fast forward to, uh, you know, October 2020. And, you know, we are looking, you know, we're kind of uh, in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, we're working with carriers and we just said, listen, we know we can do this. Let's go for it. We saw an opportunity in the market to actually do this ourselves and built it um, and spent a year getting to market uh, and launched uh, in the fall of 2021. We're a VC back firm. Um, so, uh, you know, it, this brought a whole bunch of new uh, learnings to, to market because we had to go uh, not only figure out our business, but figure out, you know, how to raise money and, and how to play in that space. And that's that's a steep learning curve. But, you know, we've got smart people on our team and they're uh, they knew what they were doing and, and off we went. Well, yeah, you're learning you're learning entrepreneurial lessons as well as <laughs> right. uh, insurance exactly. lessons. So be clear, like it, that's the the irony is like you, you have this thing you like to do, but then you want to go do the thing you like to do as your own business. And you have to learn a whole bunch of new things you have to do. Uh, exactly. Like exactly. You know, running a running a business and. uh you know, figuring out how to how to fund that business, whether you're self-funding or you're or you're you know going to, to VCs or angels or you're crowdsourcing. Of course, there's there's several ways to fund a business. Sure. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty big set of lessons learned as well. And absolutely. Uh, so you're, I mean, you're you're really fresh out of the gate. You're only a few months into the into the into the show here. That's right. That's right. We launched uh, late summer 2021. Wow. Yeah. That's <clears throat> that's a. Uh, very a very exciting time. All right, Rob. Yeah. So thanks for walking us through your your bio, Raheem, and and it's just uh, amazing, right? How each of this kind of leads up to you know being the chief marketing officer and co-founder at, at Plum Life. Now it, ma it makes so so much um, sense, but yet, right? It's obviously a, a big transition from working for some of these large established brands to mm -hmm. now trying to work to establish. Your own brand is, is a new company. Um, 
So one of the things that I wanted to ask you is we've had a lot of guests on the InsureTech Geek podcast, and many of those have been in the property casualty space, some in the health space, and we've only had probably a couple of previous guests really focused on the life insurance space. And um, this is a question that I often get from folks is just to say, hey, Rob, what's going on in the life space? Is InsureTech reaching out? Is there innovation happening? And it it definitely is, and I think it's been building over the last year, I would say, um, in particular, but uh, it's definitely lagging. And so I'm just curious, like when you, you know, set out to kind of start Plum Life, where did you see the opportunities and what makes you different from a traditional life insurance firm? Sure, sure. There's a lot in there. Um, you know, I, I think let's start with um, InsureTech and, and the life space, right? So, um, there is obviously intro tech happening in, in the life space, but uh, it, it's not as common um, as the PNC area, right? To me, the life business, um, it's not about, you know, a point and click and you're done. Uh, life is more complex than that, right? Now, we make it overly complex, so I'm not justifying it, but uh, it is a complex business. We're not trying to, in my opinion, uh, become an Amazon type sales model where you know you just put it in your cart and you're done and so if you want value uh, and you want to have a great experience you have to think beyond that and i think the industry for a little while to be honest with you was very much focused on that uh, stripping things out and simplifying things as as much as possible the end result was we weren't delivering value off to the end customer as an example, right? Uh, the big thing was, I remember uh, this happened at Hancock. We got to shorten our app, right? We took our app to 10, from, from 20 pages to 10 pages and we were dancing in the halls. And, you know, it's still 10 pages long. Um, and I said, well, listen, it, length doesn't really matter, right? If we're gonna look at uh, operationalizing and digitizing things, we got to think about what experience we're going to put forward for the agent or for the client to actually go through. Uh, so, you know, how easy should we make this process? And the reality is, is that that's where I think a lot of the companies in the life space are today. They're looking at the, their digital experience for the agent and or the client, and they're trying to change that. Um, what we're seeing is glimpses of that in the direct-to-consumer space, we're not seeing that uh, a ton in the agent space. And, you know, again, coming from our carrier backgrounds, my, carrier, my, my co-founders were all at MetLife. They spent 20 years there running, you know, global digital solutions type of roles. And we see the same thing over and over is, you know, we, because we compensate the agent at the end of the process, we just assume the agent's gonna jump through hoops to get that business placed. And they are, right? But that doesn't call for a great experience for the agents. Um, and I look at it somewhat differently. I look at agents as uh, consumers, right? They interact every single day in a digital world. They do their online banking, their online shopping. And for some reason, we actually ask them to park the way they work, the way they live when they come to work. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. And so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I think uh, life isn't as far along as the PNC space. I see a lot of new entrants in this space, but again, in the agent world, 
um, most of the focus I see is uh, in the direct-to-consumer space. And that strikes me because if I look at the premium, right, 90, 93%, 94% of premium placed in the U.S. is from the agent. It's not from direct-to-consumer. Um, you know, we had a ton of background in direct-to-consumer. Uh, I think it's done wonders for the business. Uh, do I think it's going to uh, rev revolutionize the way, uh, you know, insurance is sold? No. Will it influence heavily the way insurance is sold? Absolutely. So what we can learn from our, our D2C uh, channel counterparts is the experiential component, right? How do we create the most ideal experience to sell life insurance? And having done it at Hancock and my partners having done it, for a number of different brands as, as part of their consultancy business, uh, we've seen how direct-to-consumer businesses work, how those digital processes should work. We've got you know hundreds of thousands of, of uh, policies sold under uh, experiences and platforms that we've built. So we actually have watched customers go through the process. And so we've taken those learnings at Plum Life and brought them into the agent experience. And that's where I think a lot of the, the evolution and, uh, is, is going to be, is, is focused on the agent and making it a better experience. Right now, there's not a lot of us in the space. Now, we've seen uh, a lot of uh, both. For example, my company is a technology service provider to uh, insurance companies, right? Sure. So we, we build custom software. We, we work really heavily in the work comp space. Right. Um, and we provide both professional services and two products. One's a claims management product, and the other one is a um, uh, certificate of insurance tracking analysis product. And so, <clears throat> you know, we, we've really focused on building tooling for the existing industry to disrupt itself. Right. right. And that was right. just a, a choice that we made. We, 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 we certainly had the ability to go and try and be a, a direct to whoever. Uh, if you're in a consumer market, direct to consumer. Uh, you know, it's really not that hard to be, become an MGA, right? And yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of those. There seems to be a, a big choice on whether you, you graft into the existing insurance ecosystem and provide a new set of tooling or you, uh, you become a competitor in the ex existing <laughs> ecosystem. And we've chosen to, to build tooling because mm -hmm. we, we, you know, we, we see like the, who, who really writes the majority of business and there's a, yeah. there's a big opportunity. And of course, the amount of capital raised it's, it, it, to, that you have to, to raise to really carry risk. Um, for us, it made a lot of sense to go and build tooling to really help the existing players in the market. Plus we work heavily in the self-insured space. Right. So, right. so walk me through what your decision-making process was on, on building tooling versus, um, and I'm really speaking about the business perspective of this, right? Mm -hmm, like, because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of insure techs that listen to the show. What, what was the what was the decision tree that led you to to really where you're building tooling for agents to help disrupt the existing uh, companies with new tooling, rather than going and competing against the people that you're selling to? You know, it's a good question, right? And I and I don't think we comfortably fit into either of those boxes, right? I think we're 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 somewhere in between that. Um, listen, at the end of the day, our platform is a tool for agents to use, um, and uh, uh, we do not have the ability, or a, a consumer does not have the ability, 
to actually buy direct from us. Um, we're an advice only shop, right? There are other players who are dabbling in the advice space now um, who started in D2C, that's not us. We are advice only. So we're not competing with agents, we're enabling them. I was actually talking to um, a VC firm yesterday and I promised them I was gonna give them a shout out. And, and they, and they uh, well, not by name, but, but <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I was they, gonna they say, said you... something that just struck me, okay? And I loved it. They said that um, uh, one of their core foundations is uh, tools that weaponize the agent. Um, and he sees us falling into that category. And I loved that. And I told him I'm going to steal it and use it everywhere. Um, but I, I, that's exactly what Plum Life is doing, right? It's weaponizing the agent. It's giving them the opportunity to actually become a lot more efficient at writing life business. Um, it's giving uh, the opportunity for the agent to, to actually, you know, enjoy putting business in, not having to do follow-up and casework and paperwork and all that other fun stuff. And so, um, you know, that's a very clear uh, business decision we made to actually do that, right? And then instead of going and trying to, uh, you know, become a carrier and all that fun stuff, that's just, that's a lot of work. It's, it's very capital heavy. Um, there are enough players in the market, uh, and D2C kind of enabled this, right? Where you can leverage someone's paper, uh, and you can leverage uh, relationships that you have and use that, white label it, and take it to market. And that's what we did, right? I happen to know uh, a number of people over at Swiss Re over my time in the industry. Uh, we approached them with this business idea. They loved it. Uh, they got behind it. They introduced us to a carrier. Uh, our carrier partner is SBLI. They're a great partner to us. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we did was we took that product that SBLI has that's really, you know, powered by Magnum, um, Swiss Re's Magnum uh, rule, underwriting and rules engine. And we built an entirely uh, new upfront uh, experience for the agent and the customer. And... Uh, you know, we don't need to spend time, quite frankly, trying to generate and build product. There's enough product out there. I think there's one of the issues with the industry is there's too much product out there. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a lot of the same. So take what's out there. Uh, make sure it works in an agent world. That's one of the big value things that we provide. We know the life space. We know the industry. We know what agents are looking uh, for at the end of the day. And... You know, we got to make sure that the product aligns to those needs. Um, and, you know, it's competitively priced. We're not looking to be the cheapest, but we want to be competitive. We want to make sure the experience supports our digital journey. Uh, and what I mean by that is, listen, one of the big pain points for the agent here is that they always have to call the, the carrier and they always have to figure out where things stand with the case, right? Um, They've told us over and over they don't want to do that anymore, and so we needed deep integrations with the with the carrier so that we can in real time actually notify changes of a particular client's case to the agent, whether it be through our dashboarding or through an email or text function that we have. So you know, the, not all products and not all carriers are created the same. They've got to be able to work with InsureTech and be able to uh, you know provide the data that InsureTechs want to ingest. Um, so it was a careful consideration for us and, and, and that's, that's, we saw the solution we knew exactly how we wanted to do it. 
um, you know, we, we just didn't want to go into the direct-to-consumer space, to be honest with you. We've run those businesses. Yeah, so, yeah, you have. From, your beginning, yeah. from the beginning of your career, you've been yeah. involved in, in direct-to-consumer marketing. I, I, yeah. I'm trying to understand what actually changes about the agent's day. Uh, yeah. do, they, do they spend less time following up on applications, less time filling it out, or maybe the same time filling out, but less time on revisions and questions later? Is there higher accuracy? Like, what's the end result here? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So, uh, first of all, uh, the, the advisor is able to transact digitally 100% of the time. What we see out in the market is uh, entrants focused on digitizing the happy path. Um, and that's kind of maybe 20% of the time uh, a client goes through a happy path. So the minute the client hits the other 80%, uh, they're sort of kicked out of a digital process and we're dealing with PDFs and emails and back and forth. Um, that's not what we do at Plum Life. We digitize the entire process uh, from end to end, including all the problem areas like replacements, as an example, right? Um, the advisor or agent is able to uh, register within, you know, two minutes on our platform. Uh, and once they're registered, uh, they can start their appointment process. So gone are the days when you get appointed as an agent where you get your 50 page PDF packet from the carrier and you know you print it off and fill it out or you you know use the fillable PDF function which um, you know is so much fun for all of us to do. Oh, and then we send it back. Um, that's not what we do at Plum Life. It's a digital experience. It takes about you know five minutes to complete your appointment paperwork. You can upload your ENO. Uh, hit submit. Uh, you can track the status of your appointment on our site, and within about two days, you're done. Um, that's a huge pain point for a number of agents. Now you can go in and run quotes. Uh, running quotes is simply is simple. It's easy. Uh, as you run quotes on the platform, uh, leads are generated for your quotes. You can manage your leads um, as clients start applications you can manage the app there's a pizza tracker function you know exactly where the app is the app is filled with all sorts of behavioral science and ux that's designed to make the application easy for the agent to complete we're the only company actually allowing or enabling not allowing i know a lot of people want to do this but enabling the agent and the client to be able to fill out the application. So agent starts it, fills out their portion, sends it over to the clients, fills out their portion. Client gets stuck, sends it back to the agent. You can jockey that app back and forth. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something, you know, quite useful. We see a lot doing that. Yeah, I, I can tell you this. When an agent, when my broker or agent, uh, depending on which line I'm writing with, uh, sends me a, a PDF to fill out, uh, I kick it back to him and say, uh, "Do your job, earn your commission." Yeah. Uh, just, 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 yeah. so just so you're aware. Like, especially, yeah. especially on renewals. Uh, yeah. Very yeah. common that agents or brokers on a renewal will kick you a PDF and say, "Hey, please fill this out." I'm like, "No, you right. have my information. You fill it out, and you can call me and ask me for anything you want. You get to use that stupid PDF form filler." Not. I me. hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And, and and so your your question was, how does the 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 agent's day change? Um, we are actually bringing the agent into the rest of their day. They operate digitally all everywhere else, and, and we're empowering them to do so here. Um, it's much easier. They're far more efficient. You know, one of the big challenges in the life space is that life 
uh, production year over year. This year, is certainly COVID year is a, a bit of an exception, but it's been relatively flat. Um, and that's because most agents have been so focused on the upper end of the market because they want to land the big cases. I don't blame them either. Um, it's difficult to place business. Uh, a day in the life of an agent is pretty tough. And so if I am sitting there doing the analysis and I'm saying, listen, I can place a $10 million case or a $1 million case, but the effort is about the same for me to pace, place both, where am I gonna focus, right? And so you know, with Plum, what we've done is we've made it so much easier for the agent to place that business. And we've made it far more efficient. They don't have to spend the time calling their client to say, uh, you know, Rob, I know I sent you this link, um, but you should probably finish the application. Yeah, we brought from D to C the nurture practice. So we're pinging the client for the agent. That's not a great use of their time. We're pulling the client through the process, helping the agent actually close that case. So we're using technology and automation to do all that, right? And so uh, the, the, the agent's uh, day is more efficient. They don't have to spend as much time placing the business. And this is really key because if we look at the underserved markets in the U.S., right, there's a lot of them. Um, but the, 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 the protection gap is growing in this country, and it's growing in this country because it's difficult to place business. Advisors are choosing to, to participate in certain segments of the market because it makes economic sense for them. By making things easy, easy for the agent, we're actually enabling them to go into previously ignored markets, which I think is, is you know, a way to solve the protection gap. It's not the only way, but it's certainly one of the ways. Awesome. Rob? Yeah, Raheem, it makes complete sense. And I've definitely seen um, where, hey, if you're an agent, to your point, you're really busy, right? And yeah. you, uh, and time is money. Yeah, I mean, you articulated that very, very well. So they're constantly making that kind of you know, internal calculus. And, and we've certainly seen this on the PNC side that small commercials kind of go in the way of personal lines. And there's a lot of uh, marketplaces out there and ability to write small commercial, which is 60% of the PNC book. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But to your point, like doesn't earn the same type of commission that a, a mid to, to large size account is going to be. Sure. I did sure. want to ask you about, um, clearly you're making a bet on uh, uh, the agent. Yep. And so, um, you talked a little bit about how they become more effective. Uh, life insurance traditionally has been kind of a sold, not bought type product. So what products do you uh, enable today? And, and you know, are there more in the future? I assume it goes beyond just that standard term life. That's probably been the target for most D2C efforts. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can talk about what yeah. products you support. Absolutely. So I fundamentally believe it is sold. Uh, it's not a product that is bought. Uh, I don't know anyone who wakes up, well, there's probably a few, but uh, who wakes up in the morning and says, today's the day I'm gonna go buy life insurance, right? Uh, we know this through our research. Anecdotally, I mean, I worked at Carrier for a number of years and, and I, I just bought my top-up insurance like two years ago. Um, so I'm in the business and I'm guilty of the same issue that the average consumer is, right? And so we believe uh, fully that it is a sold product. Um, consumers tell us this day in and day out. 
they have a tremendous amount of anxiety going through the purchase process. Um, I've done that research while I was at Hancock. We saw the ups and downs that a consumer goes through as they're actually buying life insurance. One of the core things that we see is that, you know, they're excited to cross something off their list. They're excited to, you know, feel like they're doing something for their family. Um, but then they're nervous because they're like, did I buy the right amount? Am I being scammed? Is this the best price? Is there a better deal out there? These are the things that are going through a consumer's head. And what they want is validation. What they want is help. What they want is advice, right? And so, yeah, we're betting big on advice, but that's because we've seen um, that's what it takes to get our product into the hands of customers. And so um, for us, uh, we went to market with uh, our term product. Uh, that's where we started. Uh, our plan is not to stay in the term space, right? We want to offer agents a full curated suite of diverse products that they can leverage. All Plum branded, um, you know, some of them might even be from different carriers, right? Uh, uh, we're not all going to have our, every product from SBLI. They're, gonna, they're a great partner of ours. Uh, we're going to ask them to help us build some of these, but it's, it's not like we're limited to one carrier. And our thought process is this, is if we can curate uh, a great set of products for agents to use, uh, you know, so the next product could be some type of simplified issue term product. The product after that could be some sort of whole life product, some sort of UL product, right? Maybe move into a disability type product. We're hearing a lot of, of that. Um, our goal is to curate the suite for the agent. So we're a logical first step for them to come to because we've got the suite, we've got the experience, we've got the tech. Um, and our comp is pretty good. <laughs> so that's our mindset, right? Uh, that we want to build the suite for the end agent. Now, I always get asked like, okay, what's your next product that you're launching? Um, and, and I don't know. Um, and I'm, I'm completely serious about that. Uh, we're actually in the midst of surveying our agents right now. Uh, we're going to let our agents tell us what they want to sell next. Uh, they're in there talking to clients. Obviously, there's some basic things that we've got to have in the suite. But we want our decisions, just like our UX, to be informed by our users. And so um, agents will help us drive what that next product looks like. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Raheem. And you know, just quickly, I wanted to ask you, there's obviously been a lot of industry press written about uh, millennials. I know Gen Z is now starting to get into the workforce, mm -hmm. not buying life insurance at the same rates that earlier generations did at similar ages. And I have to imagine that there's a lot of those folks that are, you know, putting their money in crypto and, and sure. other kind of investments sure. as well. So um, any any thoughts uh, very quickly just on, you know, do you think that, that your solution is going to actually help agents you know, reach um, this particular, you know, hard to, to, to reach market segment because of that? Um, you know, digital experience and that ability to kind of, you know, allow them to to maybe participate in it rather than filling out a PDF form and, and have sure. a little bit of that back and forth between Plum and the advisor. Well, let's let's just I'll pose a question. Um, if you had to fill out a PDF to buy crypto every time you wanted to buy it, how often do you think millennials would be buying it? Right. Um, yeah, none. listen, advisors, uh, sorry, customers want to operate digitally, right? They want the ease and convenience. 70% of our agents clients are filling out the app on their phones, 
right? We need to be in the digital space. It's how we live our life. Um, and it's only going to get more digital, right? Um, and so uh, will it all of a sudden turn the floodgate and, and all these younger people are going to go out and buy life insurance? No. Um, but without it, there's no way anyone, you know, I'd say under the age of 50 is going to buy life insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'm pulling myself into that category and I'm inching up to that level. Um, but I want to be able to transact on my time. Like what are the, what are the benefits of digital, right? It's not only, oh, it's cool and all that other fun stuff. It allows me the convenience of doing things. I can do things on the go. I can do things when I want to do it. Um, you know, I have younger kids. My kids take up most of my evenings. I don't want someone coming into my house, filling out paper. Um, I don't, especially with COVID, right? Um, I want to be able to start something and, and uh, you know, finish it on my time. I don't want to have to go searching for email. I mean, DocuSign is an example. Great company, great tool, I think really helped revolutionize things. But the electronic signature process where you're sending an email to a client, it ends up in their spam box and the client can't find it. And then the, they're calling the agent. I mean, like, no, we don't do that in Plum Life, right? What we do is we've created an experience where the customer is actually signing in line as part of their digital experience. Um, that's easy, right? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it easy to buy our product. We're never going to be the, you know, add to cart type of product. Uh, it's too difficult. We need information from the customer in order to process this type of product. And so we got to focus on that experience and that experience today is all digital. Awesome. Well, uh, good discussion. We do need to pop in the news now. We have just a couple sure. of, uh, of, of news stories, but uh, great, great discussion on the agent, the importance of the agent, the Obviously, there's there's social challenges in selling life insurance, and you know, not a lot of people out. Um, uh, well, yeah, there, there's people that are actively seeking to buy other types of insurance, but not necessarily life. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, uh, most of us are in this uh, self denial that we'll ever die, and so you just don't uh, you just don't <laughs> like to think about it. Uh, sure. Whereas you you see car accidents all the time, so you, and, and and there's a government mandate, so there's, right. there, there's there's all you know, very very. It's it, I think it's important in insurance to remember that every line has its own set of uh, both technical and social challenges to it that we have to overcome. Uh, but uh, great discussion, and thank you for that. Rob, I know you have a news story um, on a, a unicorn meltdown. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, – um, I was talking to somebody earlier this week. They called my attention to this news story, and once again, TechCrunch is at it. I know it's 2022. We're in the new year, but – uh, yet another article talking about uh, valuations for publicly traded insurtech. So this is uh, by Alex Wilhelm. It's on TechCrunch Plus, unfortunately. So if you, you have to have a subscription to read the full article. But the headline is a quick check-in on the Neo Insurance Unicorn Public Meltdown. So there's a lot of buzzwords in there. And uh, they really talk about companies like Lemonade, like Root, like Metro Mile and Hippo, and just point out that uh, they are trading at fractions of their all-time highs. Metro Miles are worth about $2 a share, uh, where they were trading at 20. Lemonade's down to 38 bucks a share, where their high was 188 bucks a share. Hippo's down to $2.62 from 15. So you kind of get to see the theme here. And um, so anyway, there's obviously uh, 
a lot of folks that have pointed this out and piling on a lot of articles in TechCrunch and, and elsewhere about it. So it'll be very interesting in 2022 to see if we see a, a rebound in some of the stock prices of those that are publicly traded. And then uh, to see as we have more exits, are we going to see more IPOs or are we going to see a different types of exits? Certainly there's been a lot of M&A activity uh, in the insure tech space. So uh, it will be fascinating to watch here in the new year 2022. Uh, you know, that uh, depends on whether the vesting period or the uh, <laughs> the lockout period for the founders' shares uh, expires before the stock tanks, right? And that's always the, I think, I you know, if I were a betting person, I would make I'd make those lockout periods longer uh, to make them hold the stock longer and actually build a company that can make money. I know it's a crazy concept, folks, but companies are supposed to generate a profit and return that profit to the shareholders. It's a wild world, but but that's actually what you're supposed to do. Um, the VC funded mindset is look, VCs are great. They they help a lot of companies launch, but good VCs shepherd their companies towards profitability as well. Uh, of course, if you're going to IPO, now that is the appeal of selling out an all-cash deal to a competitor before you have to IPO is you never have to prove if the model's actually going to generate a profit. <laughs> you're going to let the competitor worry about that. But uh, if, you, uh, you know, if, you, if you want to successfully IPO, you have to do this crazy thing called build a financially sustainable business that's going to generate a profit. And uh, you are going to continue to see the public markets do what the public markets do, and that is punish people who can't generate cash. That is that that is that is a uh, that is a fundamental of business. It isn't, and, and we have these brief periods of insanity, like 1999, like 2007, like 2020 and 21, where the public markets give everybody a temporary pass on making money, and then they're like, wait, 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 we'll never get our money back if they don't generate a profit. So. Just if you're an insure tech out there, you're thinking about IPOing, you better have a damn good plan on making some money. Or you better figure out how to do it with <laughs> before you're locked out. <laughs> I mean, I because mean, otherwise you're never going to sell your shares that, that inflated IPO price. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the, real, the real catch. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and, and interesting news out of Brazil, and this is just I always like covering obscure stuff from around the planet. Um, I'm on a, a few different email distribution lists. And um, Brazil headquartered bank, New Bank, uh, launched uh, an insurance product following. Go they just went public last month. And uh, Coverger reported on this. Um, they have partnered up with Chubb on two different lines of insurance. Um, they actually offered damage and theft insurance for mobile phones by uh, Chubb Seguros Brazil. And they partner with uh, Chubb again by offering a, um, this is a pretty, pretty neat, a fully digital life insurance offering. And so I thought it was just a, I thought it was a very <coughs> timely uh, news story. They are calling it New Mark, uh, sorry, New Bank Vida in Brazil. It is a fully digital life insurance offering. It is backed by Chubb, and they developed it using Chubb's, uh, Chubb Studio. So they use the integration capabilities of Chubb Studio, <coughs> uh, which is the uh, which is Chubb's digital product distribution platform. And so you're seeing uh, some major carriers not you know saying, hey, hey, we're not going to be left out of this. So mm -hmm. you know they built a, a, a digital uh, studio product that allows them to uh, then then roll this out through through banks in Brazil, and they're doing it. And uh, so uh, pretty pretty interesting. I just. Uh, 
wanted to point that out. We we cover fundraises, uh, but it's also healthy to cover the the big kids and what they're doing in the sandbox as well. Uh, good discussion today with the uh, Canadian turned Boston guy, Raheem <laughs> Rajpar. Uh, Raheem, man, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I love doing stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. It's always good having a conversation with friends. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a crazy time out there. If you're out there in listener land, be safe. Uh, be careful. Get your booster shot. Uh, you know, whatever whatever works for you. But just uh, protect yourself. About half the people I know have co- have COVID uh, Omicron right now. <laughs> and so uh, please be careful and uh, please recover quickly if you are sick uh, out there. To my friend Rob Galbraith, uh, thanks for a good show, brother. Of course, always, James. Great to be here in uh, 2022 with you and look forward to another great year of episodes on the InsureTechie podcast. Awesome, awesome. And this has been the InsureTechie podcast powered by JB Knowledge, jbknowledge.com, all about technology that is transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, my co-host, Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, and Kara Dalton, our, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week.